0: Everybody, and welcome back to the psychology of lockdown. It's uh, been a little while since episode 19. This is the 20th episode. Today, we are covering the no talk rule. Uh, I am happy to introduce uh, my new guest, Genevieve Schuff. I believe I got that right. (laughs) And uh, I just want to let everybody know that uh, George and I have parted ways. He got extremely busy with Canadian Rights Watch. uh, And so I've invited Genevieve. Uh, onto the show to help complete the series we've got uh, three or four more um, rules of dysfunction to cover so we can wrap up the entire psychology of lockdown series based on uh, john bradshaw's family systems therapy and so um, i'm just happy to uh, be able to have genevieve on uh, to be able to to finish up this work it's been uh well, I just think it's so interesting to be able to make these connections between psychology and then what's going on, you know, our family psychology and what's going on uh, in terms of these lockdowns and the mandates and people's reactions. Uh, I think it's so pertinent, as we've discussed before on the show, when we're trying to have conversations with others, uh, especially if we disagree with the dominant narrative. Uh, how they just kind of shut down and why are they shutting down so today the no listen rule of course we're gonna dive into what is happening inside people's minds when they can't listen to you when you're just trying to have a a conversation and explain your perspective to those who disagree with you so thanks for coming on the show Genevieve and uh, you want to just just give people a little bit about your uh, history and background and um your education in, in uh, psychology?
1: Yeah, I have a master's of science degree in psychology that I got in England. And at the time, I was interested in like art therapy and play therapy and music therapy. And uh, didn't end up becoming a psychologist because mm-hmm. you don't actually spend time with anybody. When you do that, it's all the paperwork. So I did case management and started working with traumatized folks, really children and adults. And then that kind of led into advocacy and mediation and fair hearing, which is like arbitration and then yoga. So I'm a forest yoga teacher, which has to do a lot with, with trauma and relationships. And, uh, I have a lot of different jobs I a tutor. I used to be a substitute teacher and um, do body work, which again is like reading tension in a different way mm-hmm. rather than talking to somebody. So it feels like I became a yoga therapist. But when people ask me, I say I'm a social worker or a teacher. And I work with traumatized kids now, like foster children. And um, yeah, I feel like a teacher, social worker in all of my jobs. I kind of throw that in but um
0: and what what university did you get your degree from the
1: university of central lancashire nice in preston which if you are familiar with england and i say that people go "What from right. preston you came all the way over here and you went to <laughs> preston because it's in the north the north and it's um like a mining town that pretty much is nothing in the summer, you know, but I had a great experience. It was, you know, best times because I had friends from all over, you know, so big international parties, you know, when I was international,
0: Yeah, (laughs) and it was, was
1: more of that college experience. when I actually got my undergrad was Cal state San Marcos in San Diego. And then I did art and lots of, lots of variety. In my work, it makes me feel free.
0: Nice, yeah. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective uh, about family systems and how they work uh, and apply, uh, especially to uh, this COVID situation. So, uh, I also want—will you please explain to the audience? Because I know you do a lot of local activism here uh, where we live in Mendocino County in Northern California. So, will you just uh, explain for people? Some of the background, especially since COVID has started in terms of your political activism.
1: Yeah, we have a group now that really was several of us doing our own thing that now is linked up. And we're MendocinoPatriots.org. And you can sign up there for different uh, fractions, really. The Action Fraction, which we just did a maskless shopping And uh, you know rallies in front of the school vaccination clinics for five to eleven year olds. Um, We have a Facebook group, Mendo Health Freedom Fighters, that is on the brink of being disabled. It was disabled for a while yesterday due to some of my opinions, (laughs) Um, but they reinstated it. And then on Telegram, Mendocino Patriots. So um, you know we attend. All of the Board of Supervisor meetings and call-in, they have been only giving us 10 minutes or write-in. I've gone to the school board meetings, and we are the group that went around to all the restaurants. And before Dr. Corrin, the public health officer's recommendation to put up the signs of vaccination status of employees and patrons, we went to all of the restaurants with it anti-discrimination sign and asked if they would hang it up. So um, it's great that I'm not the only one. I think when you and I first met in person, you were the one showing up for the Freedom Walk. Right. (laughs) Um, And we also do a protest in front of the courthouse on Fridays, and there's one in Willits, and we've done them at the hospital. Like, it was hospital staff asking us, um we've done you know trying to get the board of supervisors to open and you know lots of things maybe some performance activism coming up
0: <laughs> nice
1: <laughs> that um kind of trying to show people but speaking of the no listen rule it feels like it's all on deaf ears and i've even tried to go through like one of the board of supervisors or Um, one of the members of press and like, send him things and like, hey, read this. And do you really believe that? And here, you know, because in another interview, he had mentioned that he had heard of The Great Reset. And I was like, it's a book. (laughs) And here it is. And, you know, so trying to give some background. But even him, like the last time I sent him something, he was like, could you just... And I was like, okay, you know, I really tried. So, and the board of supervisors, they don't really say anything. And the school board, they don't say anything. But I guess in in a full disclosure, COVID hasn't been on the schedule. So they say, oh, we can't say anything. Right. So, um, yeah, protesting at the school district for the, the walkout day. And, you know, I will never wear a mask. So every day it's a bit, I was at the post office earlier and this lady was like, we don't have to wear masks. Like we don't. And I was like, okay, great. Here we go again. You know, <laughs> but it turns out she did not want to wear one. And she was there questioning loudly and they were saying, Oh, we don't re- we don't enforce it. And then she was like, we don't have to. <laughs> and then outside I, you know, introduced myself and, uh, you know, offered to give her a business card and So
0: some people do listen, it turns out. Some people will actually listen.
1: Um, yeah, well she she already had her mind made up. I don't think I shifted that right. But um you know when I first heard her talk I kind of rolled my eyes like, oh gosh, you know, just how am I gonna react to it today?
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's just talk the big picture for a second to kind of set up the rest of the conversation about this concept of just, you know, what are your feelings about analyzing using psychology to analyze these big cultural occurrences, especially in terms of, uh, of what's going on with COVID and what's yeah, and and the the. Emotional abuse, essentially, that I think, uh, as George and I have discussed, have been heaped upon us as individuals that have different opinions than than the dominant narrative. Um, and how does it relate to, you know, the myth making that occurs inside of the family system?
1: Well, I kind of saw that it was a similar situation to what I grew up with, mm-hmm. and you know, the peacemaker, and you know, we always had books about the family around. So I don't know if I read one when I was younger, but you know, the, the wounded child and the orphan child and, you know, Young's idea, but then just the family and the role we play. So when this first happened, it was like a total reenactment, even my father, who was the germaphobe. So we got like one person saying, wash your hands stay away from people you know don't touch it it's fallen on the floor to somebody else giving you know the the dictator giving these rules and you know another parent you know my mom like oh well let's just please everybody and do what we're supposed to do and i was the rebel then like prove it you know why are we doing it that way right and it makes more sense. Can I carry all the garbage bags at once? Why do I have to go one at a time? Right. I can carry them all. Like it's okay, you know. So uh, I've tried many times to think about why some people can see it and some can't. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the one of the ideas is is it the role that they played in their family and you know the friends who couldn't question, and I was always allowed to question. And, uh, I have a sibling who lied a lot. And so I was always somebody who would tell the truth. And so I, you know, I like, that why I ended up in this role where right away,
0: I I kind of knew
1: something was, you know, something was wrong. (laughs)
0: uh, It's interesting that you bring this up because I've been thinking lately that I, you know, I grew up in a family, I think, where where gaslighting was happening. I didn't realize that for a long time. And I think my response was to want to be a really logical person and be a critical Mm. thinker so I could try to make sense of these arguments that didn't make any sense, you know, that were going on in my family. And now I'm practically, I feel like I'm triggered by the media. Because to me, the mainstream media is clearly gaslighting. I mean, a guy like Dr. Fauci and the stuff that he says, I mean, Dr. Fauci is a gaslighter extraordinaire. Like the way that he talks. And I've been reading, I was telling you yesterday, the RFK book, yeah. which I'm sure many of our listeners, maybe they're checking that out. It just came out. Um, and he's really going down the list of these Fauci quotes. I saw something on Twitter uh, just um, just today, for example, where uh, they were talking to Fauci about his critics, DeSantis and Rand Paul that are criticizing him. And Fauci's response was literally, when they are criticizing me, They're really criticizing science because I represent science. And it's like,
1: he's still saying that?
0: Yeah. He's like taking credit upon himself for being able to decide what science says. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to take credit. And of course, he never actually says what science says, which is why it's so confusing for people like me who want to make sense of his words. Because when I look at his references and the Remdesivir study,
1: it's it's never settled. And it's never settled. Degree exactly like a, a lot of research and it's never settled you just know like what you don't know that's yeah. all you ever know is what you prove to be wrong and uh yeah i watched his documentary that was on or i started to i i got pretty far but the one on disney all you right know, and I, I couldn't watch it <laughs> yeah Well, I had like a couple minutes in and then I was like, oh my God, don't. And then I was like, no, just try and watch more of it. And it always plays so phony to me. And, you know, maybe, you know, energy work or the way I grew up or the way I've kind of trained myself. I'm a really good bullshit detector. Yeah. I've tried to question it. Like, why do I believe that those aren't contrails? And try and think the opposite way and see how that feels, you know? So, um, and yeah, the family systems, I was thinking, you know, what you were just saying how people freeze and that's kind of like the stress response too, of fight, flight, fawn, freeze. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the whole last year people were put into that and for a year and a half or more. You know, so maybe it is the freeze why they can't actually see what's in front of them. Yeah. And, you know, what it would mean if they actually absorbed that information that they're, you know, it's ego. An ego thing that maybe they don't feel strong enough to be able to handle. So, you know, that's like another idea of why some people can see have they already had their egos broken and built them back up. You know, have they like done the work to feel how imperfect you are right? (laughs) and then be okay with that, you know, which I, you know, looking through John Bradshaw's book, that's like a big part of it is feeling that, you know, discomfort and that it it just would be too uncomfortable or too threatening for people to actually, but it does seem like they can't. You know, is that part of the the mind control, the mass formation, or
0: I remember a few years ago when people started saying that I had a confirmation bias or cognitive dissonance, mm. and I, like you, I think that people who have trained themselves to be critical thinkers, you know, my my first reaction was actually. Maybe I do, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to double check myself and make sure I'm not making these, these kinds of simple mistakes or whatever, these, these unconscious mistakes and try to make that unconscious conscious. And, uh, and then I would, I would continue to, you know, debate or I, at this, at, I'm kind of thinking specifically of a time when I was on a, a, one of our local listservs where a lot of people have these political debates. And I, and I was really interested in trying to express my point of view to, you know, my community and see if I could change anybody's mind about any of the stuff that was happening. This was five years ago, and it's only been reinforced under COVID. And I finally kind of realized that, you know, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. I'd check their sources and you, you know I'd compare them to my sources and I would just trying to stick to you know be very disciplined about only trusting the the most primary yeah. sources that could be you know proven to be verifiable and and I just kept finding that like eventually I realized these people have confirmation bias and they have cognitive dissonance because I they're not even and that's exactly like you're you're saying they get triggered into that fight or flight mode. And that's when these rules come in. Like once you bust through the mythology that they're getting taught, which is the same as the family system that you're ingrained in as a child. But on the macro level, it's like, The mythology is Dr. Fauci knows what's true. He represents the science. He, when he speaks, Mm -hmm. he's saying what the science is saying. And if you disagree with him, it's not, you know, you're anti-science, which none of this is true. The science doesn't say what Fauci says, but then when you try to show people, they don't listen to you. And there's the no listen rule. They can't hear what you have to say.
1: I was thinking about the no listen rule, which, you know, according to the book, It's that you're so self-absorbed in worry that you can't hear, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. but the no listen rule also with like an abuse situation where, you know, you tell your mom, Hey, uncle Johnny has been, you know, doing whatever. And her response is so important in that first, you know, moment where if she, you know, uh, believes you and takes action, then you're likely going to be okay. You know? Right. And if, oh, sh- you know, or whatever, well, he's your uncle. He would, he wouldn't hurt you. You know how detrimental that is and that they stop talking. Yeah. They don't tell again. You know, it's like that's other of- looking at traumatized, you know, people who've become, things in society that, you know, maybe aren't, aren't the best things in society. They always tried once, you know, and then it's like their spirit is broken and they just, well, it doesn't matter who I tell. Cause they're not going to listen.
0: Yeah. Uh, in the, in John Bradshaw's work. And George and I talked a lot about this too, is that, that shame based dysfunctional system. And I think so much of this is to, you know, and actually, this is something we can really think about. I mean, are people, people are, I mean, maybe it, the it, the shame of having listened to a Dr. Fauci, if they discovered mm-hmm. that Dr. Fauci was lying. I mean, this is just to go back to your example of the uncle maybe does something inappropriate, but your mom is like, you know, it, it's, it becomes part of the family mythology that we don't talk about these things, no, no talking. Yeah. And I'm not going to hear when you try to talk about them because it makes me feel shame. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, and so this shame based dysfunction. And then when you're actually going through the healing process, I think a lot of times therapists tell you that it's important to feel the healthy shame. Like you've got to actually be able to kind of go back and realize, Oh, I, you know, you've made mistakes. Everybody does. That's embarrassing. Let's move on. You know?
1: Yeah. I think that's his thing, right. Is that we're all perfectly imperfect. Yeah. And all of the other, like the rules of dysfunction are to avoid that feeling. Right. And, you know, add and the f- the family roles that they had and add in addiction or whatever, which was always interesting to me in my situation. Nobody had addiction to substance issues. You know, right. it was all this psychological mind, mind power trips, you know, right, where right. I wanted that. I was like, could you just hit me? Cause then we would, I would have proof, you know? Yeah. It was so mind fucky that I I don't know if I can say that, but.
0: Sure. um, You know, I've actually. like
1: that physical.
0: I've actually. Well, excuse me, but yeah, just to add to what you were saying, I've found that um, a lot of times um, I feel like a lot of therapy, even in the John Bradshaw book, he focuses on addiction so much because that's the identifiable patient. Yeah. Um, And I'm not justifying addictive behavior at all, but I am saying that that's just one symptom of a larger uh, dysfunctional family system, which includes emotional abuse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's the obvious one. You know,
1: when I worked with like foster children, most of them are drug and alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. I had like one girl that was more mental health in the house. And it's not that it doesn't exist, the mental and emotional abuse or neglect, but maybe that's just the clearest one. And that's what the foster care system is just littered with. And, you know, there was no addiction or or violence, I should say, in in my situation where, you know, it, it was like, and, you know, trying to relate it to this and now, like, so are people waiting for the big, you know, am I like waiting for them to hit me with you can't work at all or you can't, you know, to have some kind of proof. But even then, people don't really listen, yeah. you know, to, to the dangers. The danger is near. There's danger here. But just, you know, the shutdown, if you aren't heard, then you shut down. So, you know, there's yeah, there's so many layers to to it (laughs) there's so many
0: i find that like in my family my grandfather was an alcoholic but my dad he was just an untreated child of an alcoholic and Mm. you know the cycles are getting repeated so in in my in my birth family uh it wasn't again it wasn't so obvious um but nonetheless Mm. there was all of this unhealed trauma which again is kind of why i think focusing on the addictive uh personality is just so
1: there's a there's something that because my grandpa was right an alcoholic, so yeah, maybe there's a link, yeah. Like, does everybody have that in common where they're the child of the family that really lived that?
0: I mean, that I think is you know, there's generational trauma, and how few people in our culture have ever even you know, thought about healing from generational trauma. And if you don't, then you're just going to p- keep passing it down. Like somebody's got to take the responsibility. Um, and so, it, uh, you know, if you don't, then the cycle of violence is just going to continue. But let's try to extrapolate this out to then what's happening again in relationship to COVID, because I think there's a lot when, when people are overwhelmed with the the fear porn and they're getting scared about COVID or terrorism or whatever it is on the news, then that triggers their own family trauma. Uh, And maybe it's helpful if you've done some healing work. Maybe that's one way. I think people who are emotionally healthy, I think there's two ways actually to kind of look through the propaganda. And One is if you're a real critical thinker, because then you're like, these guys are gaslighting us. They can't actually prove their point. And the other is if you're emotionally healthy, you're just going to make boundaries and go like, you can't do that to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then but,
1: still there's the pleasers, even if you're emotionally sound sure. or, you know, the people. And that too, I think we have different roles and not everybody is the warrior, you know? And I had right. several people kind of tell me, not everybody is like you, you know? Because I'm like, why are you not doing anything? You can see it you're You're still wearing a mask, and they're not going to make you in here. Why are you still? And it was like, you know, just to have understanding that not everybody is even built to confront. you know, So maybe there's another layer of where you heard in your family.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, did anybody say I hear you? Or, you know, like in my situation, I was trusted. like from a pretty young age, even though my brother was older what I said was known to be the truth, you know, so it wasn't an age thing. So uh, I don't know what, what was that prompt that you had given for that?
0: Well, I just, um, I think we should just kind of bring it around to, to the larger psychological um, patterns that we're all dealing with just in terms of COVID. And I thought maybe we could even relate because everybody is coming out of this, these, damaged i think family systems or at least so many people uh at this point i mean we just are as a culture haven't prioritized psychological or emotional health for you know really thousands of years yeah. <laughs> so so a lot of people have these tensions and then when they get triggered um they're not really able to to be calm and think critically well, and yeah, engage in you're... these conversations uh where they're li- where they're listening um, and then,
1: and when you're in trauma and fear, like your brain doesn't actually work to be logical. Yeah. So, you know, I think that is a part of it. And then it's the brain brainwashed at this point, and the breaking free of that
0: right.
1: would take so much energy.
0: And the and, feeling of shame that people are trying to avoid to go back to that because they're really be ashamed lost. they got fooled.
1: They got fooled and all of the things that they had done to reinforce that Mm -hmm. and that it's a darker world if you see what
0: appears to be
1: going on. And that's even too much to to handle, you know, like you can't just wear gloves and a mask to protect yourself from the new world order. That's a lot scarier than an illness so it's easier to just believe you know this this mythology and people i was kind of thinking about what are these you know because even when they're presented with the evidence like about masks that they don't actually work or you know ivermectin but it's not horse-paced. Right. <laughs> and even it becomes mainstream. You know, Joe Rogan, that was pretty mainstream. That, okay, it is a drug that's useful, but people still right. can't comprehend
0: that. And I even thought Joe pulled his punches on that. I thought he was afraid because he kept just reciting the one in vitro study and not the other 60 studies in human beings that show that ivermectin works. And he was just, he even he was like, just pretending like there's this one little study that says it might work. It's like, that's not yeah. true, Joe. I mean, I'm glad that he made a public stand saying maybe we should be open-minded about this, but he really should have, right. if he'd have been more objective about his stance, been like, there's a mountain of evidence that this was working. And what are we doing as a society by not allowing people to be treated from a disease that's making a lot of people suffer, you know?
1: And that was we pretty mainstream about it. But then- the town hall with Mike McGuire, the Northern California, they said the same thing, like that it I'd give it to my dog if he had worms, but Right. I, I wouldn't give that to a human. And no, that is not an effective treatment. Right. <laughs> and so it's still that mythology yeah. of this is the only way or where, you know, at the co-op, let me see your policy. Look right there. There are exemptions, and they just... or do you want to see the laws? I have them printed out. No, I don't want to see anything. Yeah, you're not. You're not wearing
0: a mask. We're gonna kick you out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then you know, I told you the the story of that happening yesterday. That we were kicked out. You know, kicked out. The the cop was like, you know, hey guys. Like they've asked you to go. So now you have to, but I'm not going to stop your civil disobedience. Uh, And people clapped and it's been really disturbing. That was on Saturday because that, I mean, they know me and none of them were making eye contact with me. They were with the other people who don't actually shop there or didn't used to, but it's been very disturbing since then. And I realized it's because of that dehumanizing element and that, so quickly, I am somebody to mock or laugh at, which then you know it's not just the danger of of this is not just, oh, well, I'd have to sit at a different counter or at the back of the bus. It's the fact that then it's okay to abuse that person, right. You know, it's not just, oh well,, you've got a drinking fountain. Why are you complaining? It's like it's a whole dehumanization of those people and then abuse. And mistreatment is okay because well, you aren't.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point uh, that you just bring up in terms of even like uh, what I've heard about how societies progress towards fascism or totalitarianism and dehumanizing the other is, you know, yeah. is on that list towards the end <laughs> of yeah. what happens. And isn't it amazing that in our cultural family system, we really are seeing that we're getting to that place where, you know, it's okay for, you know, that the, the younger brother, who's the rebel or the scapegoat. Now the family's like just turning on them. It's all their fault. Uh, and, and um, real
1: anger yeah because somebody said, and I didn't hear it, but you know, we had other folks recording. I hope you guys die of COVID. Yeah. You know, or when we've stood on, in front of the courthouse, they yell, like, I, I look forward to reading your obituaries, you right. know? So that is, and it's not physical violence, but you know, well, no, it's is emotional fine?
0: violence. Yeah. It's abuse. Uh, and they're certainly not listening. I mean, they're not listening no. because all that you're doing Seriously. is disagreeing <laughs> with, you know, the majority even, I mean, let's just like, we haven't been able to debate this and it, we haven't had any kind of democratic debate about any of this. It's all mandates from executive orders from the state of emergency and, isn't it okay for some of us to disagree that. without Like I
1: don't want to lose my job. I'm just following orders and I'm like can't you hear yourself?
0: Right. What did right. you
1: just say? Right. But all of those things even that the PCR test work. Like that's been mainstream proven like on the CDC website that it doesn't. Yeah. You know, show what they're trying to say that it shows. But that's just like, I don't want to hear it, Genevieve. The they do work. You it, know, the It masks. really
0: It's like 1984 where, you know, the party says one thing one day and then the next day they say the opposite and everybody just is going like, okay, you know, we're doing yeah. what you say. It's it's absolutely outrageous.
1: And that's a part of making somebody crazy too, is to never you and and George talked about, you know, the mass formation and free floating anxiety and that this helps you to feel less anxious if you just go along with those right whatever they're doing this day. And if you try and make sense of it, then it'll make you crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you might sure. act
1: crazy and then people can easily label you as crazy.
0: So, exactly. Class of the classic uh, identifiable patient who's driven crazy by the emotional abuse and then everybody, you know, points the finger at them. Yeah. Well And I'm
1: trying so hard not to be that you know, in the moment at the co-op when I want to say what I really think, right? It's just, you know, and I just like in amazement. But um, what were you going to say?
0: Well, I just uh, I think maybe we um, should start to wrap it up. Maybe another five or ten minutes or so. And one of the things that I did want to touch on, it's we find ourselves in an interesting quandary, just in terms of the no listen part of things because like I've discovered that you know and you're you're actually going out there and doing a lot of these local political actions when you go to the school board meeting I mean I feel like or when you go to the to the health board meeting or the supervisors meeting yeah you know what interests me is that these people that are you know on the school board and the school boards were last week 2 weeks ago there was a lot of press I think one school board in San Diego or something or LA County tried to Claim that these parents were terrorists and that they needed oh, to be. Oh, yeah, rescued. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's getting crazy because the parents don't, you know, they don't want their kids to have to wear masks at school or get, you know, mandated vaccines at school. And they're freaking out, but they can't afford to pull their kids from the school. So it's a big deal. But It's so interesting because I feel like when you go to these kinds of meetings and I know what it feels like, and you're trying to give your point of view and you know that nobody's listening to you, they're not going to do what you say. And they're just like twiddling their thumbs and maybe they have to give you three minutes Uh, Mm -hmm. and they're waiting for your three minutes to get done so that you can, they can ignore what you're saying. Yeah. It's interesting to me because these people that are in that place of authority, even the The Not maybe just the workers at the co-op, but certainly the managers at the co-op or the people that have to make these policies. But let's take the school boards a little bit of a better example because, you know, they have to do what the state tells them or the local health authorities basically have to do what the state tells them. And if they actually disagreed, then they would probably get fired or kicked out. I mean, they have so much. It's just such an interesting situation to be in so they have they're doubly screwed like they're in the public they have to promote or even our representative mcguire you know especially somebody like that like if he came out publicly against mandates uh they would just railroad him out i mean you know and maybe so, that's,
1: they have to self-preservation because even if it was like 50 percent believe this versus they can get the masses to just go against us if they stick with their rules and regs yeah. you know i mean the clapping wasn't just one person right and so it's either it's mob mentality yeah where if they were to disagree all of that heat that they've put on others and all of the heat of everything so they might as well pick that side but there was this woman and she's running for us. It's not the school, but she was twirling her glasses while people were talking about their children dying. You know, (laughs) that's like one of the flagged posts of mine on Facebook talking about that (laughs) and just such disinterest. And I said that in a public way and people were like, maybe she was just nervous. Genevieve. I shake my leg when I get nervous. But it was just this air, yeah. you know, of get on with it. Where, yeah, just the lack of listening yeah. and how important that is for, I mean, I see it with kids. It's like when kids are like, look at me, look at me. And they turn and look to see if you were actually looking, you know, it's being heard and being seen. And I yeah, th- that's the, go on.
0: Well, I just, I think what you're talking about also in terms of the mob mentality should be like people really have their pulse on the mob and, and it is an amazingly powerful force that, that if you go, if you know what the mob is thinking and you know that what they're thinking is completely wrong, what it takes to go up against that, it, it takes some kind of emotional fortitude that a lot of people just don't have. and then when you add on top of that, like a, you're a school board member or you're a local county supervisor or, you know, the local health authority, yeah, you're just going along to get along. And if you go against the mob, I mean, then your whole career or your job is on the line or, I mean, I just, I don't even know. And I, what's amazes, amazing to me is that I mean, I think we live in such a hierarchical society is that a lot of this just literally can come from Fauci, like whatever Fauci says, then everybody down the hierarchy has to do what he says, or else they'll be liable. If you disagree, if you're a doctor and you disagree with Fauci and you give someone ivermectin and they take 10 times the amount or 20 times the amount and they get kind of sick from it, then you're liable. Whereas you can give somebody remdesivir, they could die in three or four days and you're not liable because Fauci lets you do that, you know? <laughs> and I think it's, I mean, it's yeah, the- probably not exactly the same for a school board member, but, you know, they've got, they if they do what the state tells them, they're safe. And then the mob is listening to all of this and they're, you know, they're doing yeah. what the state tells them. And it's a way of staying safe. And then once you break away from the mold, you really do expose yourself to these attacks. And so it causes people to just, Shut down both in terms of
1: and you're familiar with what they say and what they listen. The Ash experiment, where it's going along with the mob of you know, is this line the same size as that line? And at first, the person is like, no, it's the second line, you know. And then eventually just kind of does it or there's some other little meme of people and a bell ringing and everybody stands up. Right. I've seen that one or whatever. Too. Yeah. But one little trick to all of that is those studies only work if you don't know that you're all in a study. I mean, you know that you're in a study because you signed up. But if you know the abstract, right? if you know the purpose of the study, you are not a good participant anymore. So. If we debrief everybody, then they're no longer (laughs) a a participant that is going to give you any real data,
0: you know? We need to, yeah, everybody needs to read The Great Reset. You know, this is the abstract for the experiment people. And this is what you're all doing. If you just would yeah. understand, you know, this and is then, what it's all about.
1: You know, really, like I was saying the the anxiety and how to get people out of that trance is a bigger threat, which this, it, that is, The Great Reset is a bigger threat. Yeah. So, you know, and I still try and like not kick people down because I want to be there for them when they're ready. And that's like the role as a leader to me, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to word it this way in a positive way, even though I want to tell them what I really think, you know, yeah. but that greater threat is, I mean, it seems apparent, but it's only going to get more apparent or, Yeah, I don't know how much worse, and, you know, here it is, here we're in, you know, California, we're way better off than, you know, Australia, New Zealand, and now several European places that I just can't even. Germany and then Greece, I saw,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: is uh, forcing vaccinations for 60 and older. I just saw Mm -hmm. that today. I haven't, like, looked into it, but everybody here is just like, oh, well, we're, you know, we're allowed to have Christmas this year. Right. So, but yeah. You're we'll see aware about that
0: with the new the variant. Study,
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the timing. And then, uh, yeah, Newsom is in Mexico. And it's right. like, even that, like, he has consistently broken his own rules. You know, caught in a restaurant without a mask. His kid at summer camp. Without a mask, after he had just told, you know, that that was, and then his 12 year old not vaccinated. And then now it's another dangerous threat. And he goes to Mexico. Like, that too, like, is the thing I'm like, mom, like, can't you see that that is not cool? (laughs) Like, that's not cool, right? Rules for thee and not for me. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what it will take, but it's like that even the no asymptomatic spread, like that's been proven now. And yet that's the whole reason for the masks and the distance, right? Because you might not know that you're sick.
0: Yeah. And what, the what's really killing me is the, is all the new science about the transmissibility of vaccinated people when they have a breakthrough infection, or even if they're asymptomatic, they're still transmitting the virus. So why even talk about mandates and yeah. passports like it's just it doesn't make any sense and yet i and still see people, people screaming that we need these things
1: well it's part of that old mythology now that no masks do something and no the vaccine is safe and effective and it saves lives right. so even though there's all this inconsistency still you know and that's oh i'm back yeah. that is something that you know Blows me away that you still can't, and you're you're gonna show your papers,
0: right? And and it's fascinating actually that we can clearly look and know what the mythology is. The vaccines are safe and effective. Asymptomatic spread is a big deal. Um, Masks were Yeah.
1: PCR test.
0: Yeah. Are the gold checks standard for
1: viruses. Yeah. And there are no adverse reactions.
0: Right. And there are no, they're extremely rare, extremely rare.
1: <laughs> extremely rare. And according to public health officer, Dr. Corin, you're fine after a couple weeks of ibuprofen.
0: Right. Yep. Your course. heart
1: and pericardium inflammation is, right. is fine. My,
0: Myokidart is no big deal. yeah Yeah, fascinating so we we can see the mythology just like the family mythology that even though it's not really true everybody just conforms to it and then nobody is really allowed there's just an underlying passive aggressive uh tendency or understanding that nobody talks about nobody talks about what goes against the the family or the cultural mythology well it's kind of
1: conditioning too because you know, you say the right thing and you get praise and you so, say the wrong thing and you get sad looks.
0: Totally. You
1: know, So just like the kid who learns to say the cuss word because everybody laughs every time, you yeah. know, so they're just like, oh, well, this is the way. So I don't know how some of us were saved from that. Yeah. You know, that part, too. But I always those those studies, I was always like, well, I wouldn't do that, you know. Or, you know, Milgram, any of those that like you commit suffering upon others if, you know, you get the, you're doing the right thing and like, good job, keep going. Yeah.
0: The authority figure tells you, so it must be the right thing to do. Even when it's obviously not.
1: (laughs) I guess it's the father again, like a strong, charismatic father who you don't, Question or talk back to.
0: Right. And I think it's ingrained in people in public education too, where the teacher Mm. is the authority and you go through this 12 years of your life, or, you know, where if you don't do what the authority figure says, then, you know, you get this grade. Or if you disagree with the authority figure and if you you know, the more you disagree, yeah. the lower the grade and the more shamed you are, you know, <laughs> you're a failure. Right. You get an F.
1: I mean, you get kicked out of the class and all the kids laugh. And yeah. Laugh. You know, it's the yeah. same kind of thing.
0: So, and yeah, that, it's ingrained. That
1: hierarchy, it's like, uh, you know, the judicial system too, where there's somebody at the head of class and you all right. face them, you know, but some of these people went to Waldorf and went to, they were sure. homeschooled and- so you'd think that they could see that other
0: It would be interesting way, to see but... the percentages, uh, you know, the percentages, say, of homeschoolers who are, you know, are are inclined to, to toe the line on the COVID thing and the lockdown yeah. mandates as compared to the percentages of, say, a public school, somebody that went to public school the entire time. That, that'd be an interesting thing to check out.
1: But then there's the different kinds of people too, the, the sure. people who are the the ones who would question it and the ones who just are gonna go along with it, you know, it's probably wrong, it's probably poison, you know, let's check sure it's magnetic or not. Like, yeah, I know it's messed up, but I just don't have that kind of energy to fight back. Right. But somewhere else in the kind of study for this conversation they were talking about the percentages of people uh, that buy on buy into it, you know, and that was like 30% and 40% of people go with the bigger crowd. And that in this situation, it's very, uh, you know, bipartisan. It's like, okay, the blue people are totally buying in Mm -hmm. Um, the red. The red people, well, I guess it doesn't really fit, but, (laughs) but, but they're the, the folks who actually see it, that other 30%, they are the most mixed group of people that they have the biggest variety in age and religion and, you know, all of the above.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's been made clear throughout this process from me is the, the, power of ideology to shape people's thinking. I mean, if they really identify with an ideology, my God, it's, it feels like they're so easily manipulated. I mean, I just like people need to get, be able to step out of this box of identifying either as the left or the right, and just start using critical thinking on every different issue and how you feel about it. It doesn't have to conform to what, you know, Rachel Maddow or Tucker Carlson says, you can think for yourself, you know? because so I,
1: far beyond the possibility for people to even consider that those two are not great people. Yeah. Too, you know that my aunt will be like, but it's Rachel. I hear it from, and I'm like, yeah, Well, like look into who her family is and who's funding it. And, yeah. And then you kind of get flooded with information. It's like the, what I was saying before about it making you crazy when you, you know, when it switches so quickly, what's true. Yeah. Another way is to have ev- like flooded with information where you have both sides and that too, it's like, you could prove this or you could prove that. And so you can't hear any of it yeah. because it's all potentially not true. Well, so when I talk to people about how to understand, or, you know, when I was teaching, It would be like, well, read what, try and think like me, you know, like I've told my mom, just just say, imagine that what I'm saying is true and try and prove me right. Instead of trying to prove me wrong, try and prove me right. And then, you know, one of them is going to make more sense to some deeper
0: part of you. It's like
1: why I try and read mainstream sometimes just to know where they're coming from. And, you know, like in a debate, you have to know both sides to be, you know, good at at your argument. Right. Like it has to be,
0: This you is know, where, you have to
1: listen to everything.
0: That's just it. This is where the no listen rule comes in, because when you try to give people information that's outside of their paradigm, they don't want to hear it. If you start to say, you know, look who's funding Rachel Maddow or look who funds Fox News and guess what? They're the same people, you know? Yeah then it's just, they don't want to hear it. You know, they don't want to hear that their person or their ideology can be corrupted just like everything else. Or certainly, you know, Dr. Fauci or these, I mean, I've been amazed at the fact that people can't hear the the clear evidence that the, you know, this government corporate system is corrupted by billions of dollars worth of money. And uh, I mean, how can you not see it? But, but they don't, they don't want to listen, do they? So. Anyway, we should it's been a while. We should wrap it up. This is longer than, okay. than our, our usual program, but I wanted to introduce Genevieve to everyone. And so um, we had a fruitful conversation, definitely. And I love the um, the experience that she's had actually on the local, political level and the local activist level because uh, not a lot of people, are doing what you're doing. And I really appreciate it. And I appreciate being here, being able to hear the stories uh, of what happens when you actually are willing to go out there and confront people with a lot of this guilt and shame and fear and, yeah. and trigger them, you know, <laughs> and trigger and I them. Think into- from the
1: beginning, because people kind of know me, it is a small town and I didn't fit any of those. Like I'm not, you know, a selfish Trumper who, right. you know, blah, blah, racist. So it did, like, initially, I think all those people have, like, blocked me now.
0: Yeah. don't even.
1: <laughs> right. But they're like, but Genevieve, like, you're not selfish, you know?
0: Right. How can this. You're be? not a white How supremacist. This... Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and it really, like, kind of threw people for a loop. But now we really, I just think numbers, you know, we just have to have all these people actually show up. We had. 16 or 17 show up to that maskless shopping. And we have another one in like a week and a half or so. So you could look on mendocinopatriots.org and sign up. And um, you know, people have their strengths and even if it's yours is sharing, or we we got got these great little um brochures that have a QR code to links of information and uh those two let's see yeah so on one hand it's the two hands the red or the blue pill and it's all the mainstream media sites and then a red pill and a QR code so those are our new little flyers from mendocino patriots nice and um you know anybody local come on we need we need your bodies
0: sounds good um, and I just will let everybody know. I oh, I guess uh, I'll lead all in the show notes and everything. I should tell people about mendocinopatriots.org. Is that where you want me to kind of lead people yeah. to? So, uh, anyone yeah. who's here and local, from anyway. there,
1: you can sign up for a newsletter, which you know, we're just starting to have more things. There's a calendar so you can see when we do the rallies or board meetings. And that we actually, oh, I should say that we have another town hall meeting December 5th and, um, maybe you can put the link in or sign up and that this will be the fourth one. Last time we had like 80 people who showed up and, you know, it's a town hall. It's a wrap session of what we're doing. And last time we had somebody from Sonoma County and, um, North counties. So we're trying to link up with all of those organizations to make it stronger. So the next one, it's a Sunday at two and the address is, it's a new address this time. So let me just sneak away visually and tell you the address. Okay. So it's 306 North Main Street in Ukiah, December 5th at 2 p.m. And there's actually, if you are in Ukiah, and I think you have listeners all over the world, there is a, a sign, right? Like the field by Coles. there's a sign for the town hall. And it's very similar, but it has the date has changed. And so if you want to speak at that too, then you can go ahead and sign up or let the email, you know, let us know and yeah, we're all about working together and we are just such a different mix of people who have this common goal, the freedom.
0: It is one of the most fascinating things that people that, you know, maybe traditionally identified as left or right are all kind of starting to wake up and it it makes interesting bedfellows, right? I mean, just all kinds of different people that are coming together that are breaking away from that ideological mold and starting to recognize that like, I mean, this is what I keep telling people who are arguing, you know, well, the best thing for the community is to do what Dr. Fauci says. And I just have to respond like a healthy community believes in individual autonomy. Uh, You know, if you don't, then you have a codependent relationship with your authority. And that is not healthy. I mean, that never has led to a positive outcome ever in the history of the world. So you're in for a world of hurt if you want to continue with this unhealthy codependent relationship with your government you know (laughs) so hopefully more and more people will start to wake up to that and start showing up to these local actions to actually make a difference so I want to thank you so much for coming on and thanks for uh, coming on and helping me finish up this series. Cause I just think I love the concept of the psychology of lockdown. I want to get through the rest of these rules of dysfunction. Um, And I'll let everyone know that uh, the incompletion rule is coming up next time. I think, I don't know how busy you are, but maybe we could do it again next week and, and uh, do these last couple in the next couple of weeks, hopefully maybe before the holidays, try to wrap it up either by the end of december or into early january so so the psychology of lockdown period
1: i really enjoyed listening to them before you know so i was already a fan of it and and so i really am flattered and appreciate you asking me to help (laughs) you finish
0: absolutely All right. Well, thanks again, Genevieve uh, and for everyone who's been listening and uh, we'll be back soon again, excited about being able to finish the series. So I hope you are too. And once it's done, there's going to be, I think, 23 complete episodes that are really going to give a full package. for what to watch out for, not just in your relationship with the government, but also with your friends and your family and, and in your intimate relationships as well. Hopefully we're learning a lot. So thanks again for listening. And thanks again, Genevieve. Uh, and we'll see you thanks all soon. You. you bet. Take care.